Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and I promise to be on my best behavior, for what that's worth. And joining me in the studio is a man who, like the Yotes' Hany Mukhtar, is making a late-season push to win the MVP, that's Most Valuable Podcaster, it's Producer Mason. How's your week been, Mason? Good. Uh, I promise to all of you out there listening that I will, in fact, make Mike do penance for his sins. I'm wearing a hair shirt as we speak. And also joining us in a far-off muggy land is a man who's had his own problems with MLS Next Pro live streaming announcers mispronouncing his name. It's Shajon Campbell. How are you doing today, Shajon? <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> See, Mason, we been finally got him. We finally got him. <laughs> I just read it as it's spelled, much like that announcer in the City 2 game at Houston this past weekend. One oh, you like mean the guy minute. that kept calling him Josh Dolling? Yeah. How Hello, does that chant go now? Josh Dolling, won't you score us some goals? Hello. Josh Darling, won't you score us some goals? <laughs> Josh Darling. <laughs> yes, Darling. Uh, darling. There's a new one for the boys, formerly known as Show Up, Make Noise. They've uh, gone the MLS route, getting ready for the upcoming inaugural season by rebranding. They're now Fleur de Noise, or as I'd like to call it, Fleur de Noise. But uh, yeah, check them out. They're going to be... Uh, all up in your grill with uh, promotions between now and, well, forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of our friends in the drum corps have been very busy. Yes. And they are our friends, whether they like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. <laughs> and here at Soccer Capital Podcast, we have some big news. And hopefully people find it interesting as well. We are going to launch our own Discord for this podcast. Uh, we're planning it as a place for all the friends to meet, build a community in the city and uh, the whole region. And uh, it's going to be set up in a way we view, but it also can be organic through everyone that uh, joins the community. And we're pretty excited about being able to launch it. Yeah, uh, probably a better place to get in touch with us. Um than Twitter, because Twitter tends to bury things. And also, people on Twitter just aren't very nice. <laughs> it also gives you a chance to yell at me directly if you hate what I say. Yeah, you, you can also yell at me, <laughs> because usually Mike only sees what you yell on Twitter. <laughs> Please, no yelling. Well, I'll keep the yelling to a minimum. Yeah, but it's a place just to introduce... Maybe share where you're going to be sitting if you're a season ticket holder. It's also a place to perhaps in the future ask if uh, anyone has a spare ticket if you're not one of the lucky ones. So uh, we're looking forward to it and hope it grows. And that really, the growth will be up to you, listeners and our friends, people interested to get involved and make it what it can And be. potentially we could do a we could do a watch with us on our video channels. Yeah, um, it probably worked better than Twitter Spaces. If anyone anything shows works up. better than Twitter Spaces, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's our exciting news. Uh, we'll have invites for everyone interested in the show notes. We'll be posting them on show social media and all the usual places uh, that you would find such things. So uh, keep an eye out for that, and uh, occasionally we'll be on to say hi yeah, <laughs> in real time. <laughs> And as a sure sign that uh, the new beginning is not far away, we're going to have a soft launch of Centene Stadium. We've been talking Woo! about it ad nauseum. And uh, official word did come out. St. Louis City has announced that the City 2 game uh, versus Sporting Kansas City 2 will be held at Centene. And with all the particulars, I'll turn it over to Producer Mason. Yeah. Um... We are all vindicated. History has vindicated us. We were all right. Um, like these rumors weren't substantial. But uh, the match is on September 18th. Kicks off at 6 p.m. Central. And it will be at the big house. It will be at Centene. 
Sunday at Centene. Sunday, 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 Sunday at the <laughs> You'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. If you're lucky enough. No, no, no. Tickets, you'll pay no for the whole seat, but you're only going to need your feet. <laughs> uh, but game is at Centene. Um, it is... The stadium's not wholly finished yet. It doesn't have the fit and finish on it. But um, it's going to be uh, the lower bowl open to fans. Um, Tom Timmerman uh, from the Post-Dispatch said that's going to be around 11,000 capacity. 10 to 11,000. select fans only. Yeah, so it's a closed event. There won't be any tickets for sale. Um, if you are a season ticket holder, you get two tickets um, for free, just drop air airdropped into your account, and uh, you're good to go. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many season tickets you bought, you get two tickets to this soft opening. Mm-hmm. So uh, either make the kids wrestle over a chance to go or start looking up babysitters now. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of people were pretty unhappy about this, but like... I don't know. There's a lot of season ticket holders and the stadium's not finished. There's not enough room for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is that what it you is. You can't go. There's lots of people on the outside looking in that would like a ticket. So uh, if it works out that you can't make it, you know, pay it forward. Yeah. But I mean, like, I get it. It's frustrating. It's a bummer. But like, I don't know, man, they, they haven't finished it yet. It's still a construction zone. <laughs> it's also a one time event, to be totally honest with it. You know, one time you don't get your full amount of tickets. I think we can we can all accept that in in order to then have the greater experience going forward and have the the building block in place. You know, against a team that's probably eventually going to end up being our rivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a gala event. I might even rent a tuxedo for this one. <laughs> no, 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 I won't. Might wear a hat. Mike, are you probably are you sure? If you get the tuxedo, you have to go full on and get the hat and cane. And you you have you cannot wear your normal silly hat. So in, I don't think you're gonna do that in in full evening wear. That's what the cummerbund's for. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna get spats too? I want to see Mike show up in full on spats and and like the long tail jacket. I don't want rumors going around that after the game I spat. <laughs> Except uh, maybe in the normal course of talking. Although now that we've talked about this, I think it would be funny if you showed up in a tuxedo shirt. <laughs> the, the the t-shirt with the tuxedo pattern on it yeah they're so classy i like to picture my <laughs> jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it's it says i want to be formal but i like to party <laughs> <laughs> the mullet of shirts uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wear a mullet <laughs> wig <laughs> it's all business up front the party in the back uh, just sew that in the back of the hat <laughs> Yeah, Google.com, Party City Mullet Wig, <laughs> enter. What else? Um, yeah, so soft opening, closed event, yada, yada. Um, they are going to have uh, concessions. Beer? I think beer. Um, definitely merch, definitely food, probably beer. I'd be very surprised if there wasn't beer. Yeah, it might be a disappointing opening if they don't have beer. Yeah. <laughs> How can you have a sporting event in St. Louis without superly overpriced beer? Exactly. Are they, you know, the, you know how they could make it better? They could probably give every, every ticket a couple of free drink tickets. I think everyone would be okay with it then. Everyone except perhaps the concessioners. Yeah. <laughs> and... I don't think that would sate the fans of, uh, or the sate the uh, concerns of those who can't go. <laughs> you know, if Anheuser-Busch is truly on board as a founding partner, it's just a little something, something they could break off for the fans, right? Dollar beer night. <laughs> Dollar beers. Dollar beers. <laughs> Why let's do you get a want cup the snake st- going? Let's go! Why do you want the stadium to burn down before it even opens? <laughs> yeah, but they'll have to cut off all sales at the seventh inning of a soccer match. <laughs> <laughs> no, they cut it off at the fifteen-minute mark because it's already too rowdy. <laughs> there are, yeah, we are we are lathe of heavening here a, a repeat of ten cent beer night. But they'll open it up for the end of the game stoppage time, so we'll be rooting for everybody to roll around on the field a lot. <laughs> oh, like and fourth period at the, at the Blues games. Got it. The MLS next pro rules against such. We'll all be chanting three minutes, three minutes over and over. Just take <laughs> one for the team, fellas. <laughs> uh, but um, 
11,000 capacity is nearly half the stadium. It's damn near half. That's a lot more than I expected to be ready to go for this like limited soft opening. Hmm. Gives everybody with season tickets a chance to find a place to park. Us coming from southern Illinois will probably park uh, somewhere on this side of the river and uh, do a little public transportation downtown. Assuming we remember this time. <laughs> or get ready soon enough. Uh, but it'd be good, uh, you know, preliminary walkthrough for when it opens for us to combine long-distance traveling and public transportation. Uh, something we're really big on and would like to do. Uh, so that's exciting stuff. Uh, good to know our sources were reliable. Uh, and of course, it was such a big secret that they weren't able really to keep it under their hats. Mm -hmm. Not my hat. <laughs> what, you've been holding out on us? <laughs> I'm, I'm a trustworthy fellow, or so I say. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> other city news. Is something uh, kind of slipped under my radar, surprisingly. Uh, everyone knows I'm a big uh, uh, geek on the kind of business dealings of MLS and my favorite podcast, uh, Allocation Disorder, that are also big geeks about that kind of stuff. Uh, had long been under the uh, Total Soccer Show umbrella, but recently moved um, with The Athletic for hosting their show. And their show kind of got buried in the athletic soccer show feed, and I missed it. But on August 26th, I believe it was, uh, part of what they're doing now is a weekly allocation disorder 1v1 interview. And uh, on that date, uh, Paul Tenario hosted uh, Lutz Feinensteel, our very own, uh, on that show. And uh, in case you're not able to access that show... Uh, got a little rundown for you on that. Uh, started off Paul Tenario, you know, asking about how things are going for City. Lute says that uh, the current time period, uh, actually the MLS is the short-term goal. Right now they're focusing on the baby steps of setting up a long-term goal, which would include the academy, uh, the community, uh, stadium, uh, their new training facility still on the grounds that he's very proud of. And getting down the philosophy, philosophy of play, he reiterated how important it is to have a verticality in that, that it starts with the U14s and they say play the same style all the way up to the first team in MLS. On the 26th, I don't think that the training facility was open yet. They were Not still, yet, but he's yeah. very proud of it. Uh, Scan the world to find out what a first class training facility, one that's right by the stadium. Um went open to all levels uh, for the training side-by-side -side is just not something that's really known of in MLS. Uh, he says he took a lot of it from looking at what Manchester City has done with their academy, which has grown into be one of the best academies in the world. He did say uh, that they've been spending a lot of time getting ready for recruiting the American portion of the roster because can't really do that while the season's going on in MLS. Uh, he says they've been spending a lot of time watching every MLS game up to three times to scout potential players. Also keeping an eye on the university system for possibilities in the Super Draft that's upcoming. And uh, that's kind of <laughs> overkill, but I guess it's what you do when you take a job like this. And you build a club from scratch. Uh, I mean, you can only watch so many guys at the same time, so you kind of have to watch the game multiple times to really get a look at everybody. Yeah, and he did talk about how difficult it is in trying to build this roster and why they're leaning so heavily on the international when they decided to go with the high-pressing, high-energy style that's prevalent mostly on the uh, continent of Europe. Uh, it's a little easier to find players that way in MLS. You've got a lot of protective status where, because of the various byzantine rules of mls uh you got to see what's open who's under not under contract also for youth and other that they're protected as well he mentioned the homegrown rule which we haven't really covered because it happened kind of right after we concluded a show but that has changed but it also does protect players uh that are youth players in development 
Uh, and, you know, just he's looking for players that know how to play a particular style. That limits the player pool that have to be available. That limits the player pool. So they got a lot of scouting to do just to try to find viable people that will fit. They do have signed Jared Stroud from Austin FC uh, to a pre-agreement. He was going to be out of contract. They met uh, terms with Austin, and at the end of the season, he'll become a city uh, player. So that's one down there. Uh, also in this episode, some of the most uh, fascinating stuff was the stories that Luce told about his own unbelievably fascinating life. Uh, Matt Sabak has often called him uh, the general experience officer. Matt Sabak, I should add, has often called him the most interesting man in the world. And if anyone qualifies, Lutz is on the short list for that. He uh, is the only player recognized to have played on all six continents that have acknowledged uh, football associations by FIFA. Uh, 25 teams which he had to correct Paul Tenorio, who had it as 27. He goes, no, only 25, but <laughs> who's counting? Uh, Real proper journeyman yeah. status. <laughs> uh, responding to a question, he said that it was never planned to be a world traveler. He was just always chasing a job. He had a long career doing that. Not all of them were great teams. Some of them were pretty big teams. Said that uh, when he started and was playing in England, when the loan uh, system kicked in and he kind of got caught up in that he was known as being a quick fix as a goalkeeper if they were in trouble he was the kind of guy who could be signed on friday and uh go to training on saturday and play on sunday so that leads to having a lot of teams uh another interesting one is uh he was asked about his in ella's world travels was there a particular uh country of cuisine that he found particularly good and surprisingly he mentioned the cuisine of the Caucasus mountain region specifically the countries of georgia and, and uh armenia uh which is surprising he says if he can ever get to a city big enough like new york uh, a fine one he always goes to a uh, armenian restaurant also found out lutz does not drink you might find him at a holiday function sipping on a glass of wine just for reasons, but he's never, ever been a drinker. Uh, tells you what must be a world traveler. He's not welcome in Germany. <laughs> I kid, Lutz. Uh, asked about some of his favorite places in all of his world travels to play. He talked about New Zealand and Norway uh, being particularly nice places, but he singled out the city of Vancouver in British Columbia as his favorite city he ever played in. And that uh, traveling with the MLS Next Pro team was like a homecoming. Still got friends there. And uh, he's familiar with uh, the hardships of uh, coming up against the fans in Seattle and Portland as well. So he's well acquainted. And he did spend some time in MLS. So he's got a background in MLS. Uh, another one that came to light uh, during the UEFA Championships with Christian Eriksen and his uh, problems on the pitch, that Lutz was also someone that experienced actually dying on the field and was resuscitated. Uh, he was playing uh, on Boxing Day in England, apparently in a lower-tier team. He didn't say which one, uh, but uh, it was a player named uh, Clayton Donaldson uh, who had played for Hull City and had some time in the higher levels of the English pyramid tried to jump over Lutz as he came out for a ball, got his feet tangled up and ended up with his knee right on Lutz's sternum, like collapsing his lung, cracking his sternum, causing cardiac arrest. There was no ambulance at the stadium and it was on its way. He said the physio had to resuscitate him three times when he passed away before they got him to the hospital. He also said while he was there, he was in a coma for about three and a half, four hours. And while in a coma, he talked about uh, having a out-of-body or a near-death experience where he says he didn't see a tunnel, but he certainly saw lights uh, during that, which is fascinating. I hadn't heard that part of the story, and it was a lot more detailed than I had heard previously, where I've heard him well before his St. Louis days uh, 
a story of his uh, fascinating life he's led. Of course, uh, that's all well and good, and that's, you know, nice stuff to know. But what we really want to know is about how they're going to build a roster, what's been going on with all this. And he had some insight there. A lot of it's stuff that we've already heard from him, but some of it was uh, some added details and a little nuance to it all. Uh, he has had four American. He has had Americans on his rosters in Germany before. He had four Americans at Hoffenheim. Uh, his current academy coach, Charles Rankin, was uh, with him at Hoffenheim, as well as uh, uh, Joe Jow and Russell Canoose, well known to MLS fans. Says the American players have uh, their mentality uh, fits and this their physicality, their training. They know how to be, what kind of players they're going to be. And he says that fits very well in Germany. Also, when he was at Dusseldorf, he's the one that brought in Zach Steffen on loan. Uh, when Manchester City bought him away from Columbus, thought that that had really helped his uh, coming to terms with the moving to Europe, coming out of Columbus there. A big question for Paul Tenorio was, has he studied and looked at past expansion drafts, you know, for what has worked and what has not worked? Uh, he says he absolutely has, looking at the way things uh, need to go to start off brand new in MLS. And uh, reiterated also with the community, uh, the soccer capital, if you will, of St. Louis, how it fits his playing style. He reiterated that it's a Midwestern style, full of hard work and grinding out results. He mentioned specifically the Blues and Cardinals also have that same sort of mentality. Thought that the high-pressing, high-energy style would fit into that as well. And he said it also fits into the Taylor family's uh, way of doing things. Uh said uh, during the interview process when he was being brought on, there was discussions, or, or maybe even later, but there was discussions about the style of play they were going to have. He talked about did they want to go with a uh, possession type, a tiki-tac style, the Brazilian style, different styles. Growing up in Hoffenheim and working in Germany, he knew the high-pressing style, and uh, they all agreed that that's what it would be, so... I found that interesting. He didn't come and dictate that style of play. It was actually under consideration, and he was open to different styles. Uh, so, yeah, if you can find the podcast, there's other little tidbits in there, but it's a pretty good rundown of what I found to be a pretty fascinating uh, interview. Lutz has done this stuff before. He's worked in television, amongst other things he's done. Um, and uh, he presents himself quite well, as if you've watched any of the Bundesliga games that he's done color commentary on. Uh, specifically with uh, Derek Ray. Uh, those have been uh, very interesting as well. I just want to say before we move on um, that the fact that he was, A, willing to work with the with the club owners on, on what style of play he wanted to run and what style they wanted to run, and the fact that the owners had different styles in mind and didn't just say, well, whatever the coach wants, <clears throat> I think that speaks to, uh, you know, just how bought in the owners are into this team and, and aren't just using it as a business to make money. They're in it to actually have a good team and have a good team out on the pitch that's exciting to watch and actually have people want to come and actually build another great sports team in this town. And I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that it's like they're in it for the long term. St. Louis waited so long to get an MLS franchise when they should have had it the first year. And that was kind of the plan, but it never materialized. Uh he also mentioned how much how much he thanked the ownership group for allowing him to go out so early, uh, find players, sign them, get them in, get them integrated somewhat, allowed him to go ahead and hire a head coach. He said was basically one year ago right now um, that he hired Bradley Carnell. And uh, also what an advantage it is with MLS Next Pro. Uh in-house development, so to speak, no matter what you think of the league, that keeps it in-house. This is particularly big because now Bradley Carnell is here, sees how they're all training. He knows who's in, you know, development he can pick in-house. And now he also gets to really know the spine, as Lutz called it, of the team uh, that he's brought in. 
and just how important that is that on you know January 30th they don't bring in a coach and throw him out goes here's your 30 players get at it uh he's going to have something to work with something to fit in and time to prepare it's just something that's not normal in MLS and it looks like they know that well aware of it and they're taking full advantage of it yeah it looks like they're they're definitely trying to to put together a good team that's going to be really good for a long time as opposed to just you know pulling the Atlanta card or the LAFC card where they're splashed for a couple of years and then potentially on a big downswing for a while. They want to build a, st- a team that has some real staying power in the league and people, they want to make it so people don't want to play against us. And you can see that in city two already. We have the best road record in, in, in the uh, next pro at the moment. And I can't wait for that to extend to the first team. And with the players they are bringing in, how they're bringing them in and, um, everything from top to bottom from ownership down to player group i'm seeing a total buy-in and it's gonna be a very exciting very exciting season next year i can't wait and one thing he did also mention was uh he had chances and opportunities to work with teams in the premier league and the bundesliga but the idea of starting up a franchise from day one with a dirt patch on the ground was so enticing and he called uh this the most exciting project in the world for a team. How great the studio uh, stadium is, he told Paul Tenorio. It's unbelievable. It's just so beautiful. It's such a great stadium. So his excitement's there. He says he hasn't had one moment of boredom since he started, as you can imagine, uh, getting it all started. And, uh, yeah, and when he talked about how the MLS team is really a short-term goal because They've only got a small window, really, to try to build a roster. But what the how important it was to build the long-term goals with the academy development, the culture, and getting everything integrated together with the stadium and training complex right there all together, um, that really speaks of something that could be long-lasting. As long as it doesn't, as long as it keeps working. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about all I've got from that one, but uh, very interesting stuff. It's great stuff to talk about as well. And proof will be in the pudding before we even know it. Mm -hmm. Proof in the pudding of what happens uh, when you play a whole lot of games on the road in MLS Next Pro was this weekend's big matchup going into Houston to uh, Avila Stadium to take on uh, Dynamo Dos. And uh, City 2, despite all their best efforts, did drop this game. Uh, one goal to nil to Dynamo Dos. They're still in first place in the conference, is that correct? And they still have destiny in their hands. But they're not do- not as comfortable as they were, even if they'd gotten a draw on this one. And I'll throw it over to uh, Mason to give us a rundown of what happened in this game. Yeah, so like Mike said... Um... You can't win them all. Uh, we finally drop a road game. It's been a t- <laughs> it's been a tough road trip, and we've pulled out some some big wins. But we go down against Dynamo Dos one nil. Um, at first, it looked like we were going to roll this one, but Dynamo Dos is a really good team. Um, it was a lot of heavy possession for City 2, which is a little strange because we're not usually a possession-heavy team, but it was all like attacking zone pressure, like possession. It wasn't like a lot of keep away. Um, pretty early on, Akil Watts had a real cannon shot from outside the box in the 18th that took a really good save at the top far corner. Very good save. Yeah, that was probably the best shot of the half. Maybe the game. Yeah. <laughs> for, but for it City didn't go in. Yeah, yeah, that was the problem. Yeah. But um, we really dominated that possession um, and had the pressure on him, but we didn't get a lot of chances, and the ones that we did get didn't materialize in anything. But, yeah, Houston didn't even enter the uh, City's box until the 31st minute. And didn't even get their first shot in the game until two minutes later in the 33rd. Um, That is real late in the game to hold somebody all the way out of the attacking zone. (laughs) Um, 
late into the first half, um, Yarrow feeds Doling, uh, but it goes over the bar. Uh, Pompeo, Pompeo has a free kick a few minutes later in the 42nd. Can't get it done. And that's the first half. Basically nothing doing. Yeah, the dominant thing of the first half was uh, the mid, uh, mid-block mid defense of St. Louis City just overwhelmed Dynamo Dose. But Dynamo Dose had a pretty stout defense. Uh, their center back, Michael, from Brazil, had a few shockers with some poor distribution. As a matter of fact, there was a bunch of sloppiness in passing on both sides. Uh, City, that's probably what really killed him. And the final third was unable to connect passes. It was a damp and dreary night there. But uh, the defenses were very uh, stout. But as for the sloppiness, it was kind of a mix of correlation and causation on the defense to what was happening in the first half. But uh, especially Houston's coach uh, had a a nice plan for the second half because things changed. Yeah. Um... Right off the bat, Houston Houston gets off to a, a hot start. They've got a free kick right outside the box. Dangerous area, but also probably one of the toughest spots to take a free kick from. Um, uh, Avila takes it and puts it right into the wall. So nothing doing on that one. Um, but then about 10 minutes later in the 58th, uh, Houston gets a ball into the mixer. Somebody gets ahead to it and beats Berkey, uh, puts him up. Yeah, they kind of had some penetration. They were really starting to feel it into this game now. Uh, And uh, Kyle Hebert uh, makes a sliding block of a shot, but he can't really clear it out. Uh, Avila beats uh, the uh, St. Louis City defender, who I couldn't tell from the quality of the stream, gets the ball, puts the cross up into the box. It's uh, really a chaotic play. Uh, it lands on ahead of a Dynamo Dose who gets it past Berkey at close range, and uh, all of a sudden they are up against really the run of play over the entire game, but not really the run of play in the second half. In the second half, uh, so it's uh, one nil to the uh, host team. Yeah, uh, up until that point, it really this was a big swing for Houston because up until that point. Um, it had evened out a little bit, but it still felt like we had the advantage. And then they get this ball in. Um, we try to strike back pretty quick in the 65th. We've got a free kick in a similar position and we put it right into the wall, too, because that's kind of what happens when you're that tight into the box. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a really tough p- uh, free kick to take. Um, and then in the 69th minute, haha, the weed number. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, the, I thought it was just the funny number. <laughs> uh, but uh, Josh Doling uh, makes a r- charging slide tackle and gets hit with a straight red card. Yeah, it it looked unruly at first glance, but trying to study it from the highlights, which is hard. Uh, he goes in yellow card. He got the ball first, but he was late in getting into the tackle he went right through the player upended him but studs were down uh a yellow card offense you know if they had the orange card with the uh the penalty box in soccer yeah which, uh, i was about to say orange card territory here yeah, but i yeah, i did that. not think that was a red at a straight red no, i i I, I, I watched that replay back a couple of times I don't even think Doling got him with his feet. It, he went dick and balls first into his ankle. <laughs> well, uh, let's also at this moment uh, address something. The announcer the entire game called him Josh Dolling, which overall I thought the announcer was uh, right by, you know, yeah. developmental league standards, tier three. Uh, but that kind of just kept saying it over and over and over, and especially now over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, Kind of graded on the nerves. Yeah, names were not this announcer's strong suit. <laughs> but but uh, the red card didn't harm St. Louis City too much in their style of play at all. They adjusted no. pretty well to that. Yeah, I mean, really, it seemed to light a fire more than anything. After uh, Doling is sent off, um, Isaac Jensen comes in, and they go pedal to the metal. 
I thought they were going to pull this one back. Um, uh, Kuz come, came in for Ustrak in the 58th. He puts in another cannon like he loves to do, rings it off the corner. That was really close. So close. He also had a uh, kind of a chip shot that uh, wasn't he the one that had the chip shot that just went over the bar and had the uh, keeper a little wrong footed later on. Yeah. Um, and then Would it Kwame be too o- much to start calling him Thor for all these thunder bastard shots? Juan <laughs> <laughs> Thor Kuzain. It fits. It works. You could call him that if no one else does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm coining it right now. I'm calling him Thor. So if you ever hear me say Thor on the cast ever again, talking about Kuz. <laughs> uh, but uh, Kwame Owua also subbed in at the 58th and... He drove that ball all the way down to the touchline and put crosses in several times. He was an absolute engine trying to make something happen, but just couldn't connect. Yeah, he also did a lot of crosses into the legs of his defenders as well. And that's something to be said about the Dynamo Dynamo Dose defenders. Uh, Michael, who had a shocker in the first half, was extremely good interrupting everything uh, in the box for... Dynamo Dose in the second half, and uh, they've got a real keeper in Taylor Maples uh, on their back line. I was very impressed by him for Houston as well. And their interior defense, and they were tested a lot, really stood up to a lot of challenges from City and a lot of bad luck against City too as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's too little too late. Um, Although I have to say too late or not, that effort that they showed, especially from the seventh minute or seventieth minute on, was very impressive. This is a team that doesn't quit. This is that grinding, that grittiness that Lutz had talked about in that interview we we discussed earlier, and they showed it here big time. That Hooligans big, uh, never say die. Yeah, that's right. And that big target we talk about on the back of St. Louis City too showed up here because. The dose came out, as especially in the second half, came to play. They were prepared for the uh, the assault that they were actually under. Uh, they were on the front foot in the first half of the second half, but after the red card, they were very much on the back foot. But they were stout, and they got the job done, and all you do is tip your cat, but call him your daddy. <laughs> but the equalizer just seemed to always be right there and City couldn't get the equalizer. Just, and that draw yeah. would have really helped in the playoff picture. And uh, what's that starting to shape up now with two games left in the regular season? Well, for the West, it's all but done. Um, Quakes 2 are not mathematically eliminated, but it's pretty much set. It's us, Tacoma, Dynamo Dose, and North Texas. Uh, Columbus... Uh, takes us over first place on the overall table. We hang on to first place in the West. Um, we have 48 points. Uh, so even with Houston winning on us and taking all those points, uh, they are now at 46, two points behind us, same as Tacoma. You know, what a hell of a road trip late in the season. All of those teams you mentioned in the Western Conference, we had to go and visit them before, you know, having a home game it's been a hell of a road trip uh well north texas they go to this weekend but that's still on the road uh yeah. city two is going to have to earn that top spot and it's still in their hands so let's see how it goes not only mention you come home open centene with pressure against what's shaping up to be a derby foe yeah um and this was a uh this game was really a chance for us to capitalize because tacoma was breathing down our necks. They still are. Um, but they had their bye. We could have really opened the lead on them, failed to do that. We had enough of a cushion, but we really got to nail it down against North Texas, whom we are playing on the 11th. Never forget. Um, the kickoff for that game has been moved to 12 noon. What? Yeah. And the 11th of Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. So... Finish off with two Sunday games. Mm-hmm. Noon on a Sunday. Yeah. It was originally scheduled, I think, for 7 p.m. Um, I don't know why it was moved, but it was moved. Um, and North Texas are pretty similar 
to Houston. Uh, they're hanging in there. They're fourth um, in the division. They have all but uh, sealed up their playoff spot. Um, they have a really good home record. They're seven two and two. They are three zero oh, and two in their last five. Uh, they split those draws in the shootout, and this is gonna be another grinder, I think. Yeah, at the home match, uh, you could see the quality of North Texas, but uh, City Two outclassed them in that one. And what was a two nil victory, I believe. I think so. They got some nice attacking talent, and when they're at home. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it shows up. And again, like I said, if uh, St. Louis City 2 is going to win this conference and go on, they're going to have to earn it. They're running a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. But enough said about all that. Uh, some other quick uh, news and development for uh, City two, uh, for St. Louis City SC. Uh, the brand new U21s dropped their home omer, home opener. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Drop their homer. Yeah, their homer. Uh, they played like Homer against uh, Beeman United. Uh, it was three to two to the visitors. Another Tennessee team in the S P U P S L U P S L Upsell, and uh, another result that looks hard fought, at least on the scoreline. Team that just came together to start this. Uh, what we're seeing very much is that hard. Working, grinding style, Lutz talks about showing up in all these teams. And uh, the MLS Next Academies will open their MLS Next season starting on September 10th. Uh, U15s, they're brand spanking new. Shiny. Uh, the U16s and U17s are slated to open their season at Creevecourt Park on Saturday. Uh, U15s and U17s are matched up against Chicago Fire. Meanwhile, the U-16s will be facing SC Wave. U-17s kick off first at 10 a.m. Strange. Uh, U-15s at noon and the U-16s, who finished second in the MLS Next Playoffs for their age division last season, will be kicking off at 2 p.m. Big day at Creve Course Soccer Park. Bring a chair. <laughs> Or bring your comfy shoes. You might be standing for a bit. Who knows? But uh, that pretty much wraps up a pretty full week, actually, all in all, for uh, news about the uh, home club that hasn't even played yet. But there's still plenty to talk about, and it's exciting stuff. And uh, now we move on to a regular feature. We're going to talk a little bit about MLS. And for this, I give it to our own John Campbell. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, let's get started with the MLS here, baby. Um, I figured this week we could talk a little bit about uh, a couple of soccer slang terms to get everything going off. Um, I know one we've already used before. We've talked about the Olympico, which uh, we'll go ahead and start with there. So the Olympico is specifically on a corner kick when the d the person delivering the ball ends up putting it directly into the net without having to you know, put it into the box and have someone else drive it home. It just goes right in, just hooks right in very beautifully. Um, the next one I want to mention is some, maybe not a lot of people have heard of it. It's called a Rabona. Uh, it's a little bit hard to, to say in words, but it's easier to picture when you see it. Uh, it's when you score a goal by taking a shot, usually with your off foot, um, because what you do is you plant, instead of planting with your off foot and then driving through the ball with your with your good foot, you plant next to the ball with your good foot, swing behind your leg, and then chip it into the goal with your off foot from behind your leg. It can also refer to a pass done that way. Normally, you see this uh, when players are feeling quite comfortable and they're just showing off. Uh, sometimes it's done for actual reasons, but uh, boy, if you mess that up, trying to show off like that, uh, mess it up and lead to a break. The coach, you're going to hear about it in video session during the week from your head coach. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, you're about as likely to get made fun of by the wider wider soccer audience for messing a pass up like that. But not it, as it'll much happen. As... Not as much as the next term. Yeah. <laughs> the next term is um, for those of you that 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 don't already know, it's called a panenka. It is only referring to PKs, specifically penalty kicks, where you have your normal run-up, 
But instead of driving it either to one side or the other and picking a corner and driving it real hard and hoping you beat the keeper, you come in and you swing real light and just try to chip it down the middle after making a keeper guess the wrong way. And the only it, it's very humiliating if you take this and miss it. But if you make it, it's amazing and everyone talks about it forever. It's high risk, high reward. Isn't this basically the move that that uh, Sacramento Republic player pulled to uh, in the PKs to get to the U.S. Open Cup Finals? <laughs> All right, Mason, you want like a black <laughs> off? Black <laughs> off. We're not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how it's humiliating if you mess it up and you miss, or you have the keeper save it. It's even more humiliating when you do it against a very young backup goalkeeper and you need the win to make the playoffs and you make a poor attempt, flood the kick, have it saved and have him basically tell you know, to fuck off, you know, because you tried it on and when your team is le- you're drawn level, it's not even like you're just showing off. You're just all up in your head. That's right. I'm talking about you, Chicharito. I'm talking about you, Chicharito. <laughs> Yeah, but if, if the LA Galaxy miss this miss the playoffs by less than two points, two points or less, I'm gonna have the time of my life because I know it's all hanging on that one PK. And did you see the shots of uh, Chicharito after he got a little too cute? Let's say often used with a failed Panenka is called getting a little too cute. He was just hanging on the goalpost and and giving a mea culpa. You know, gesture to all of the fans. Uh, you know, he got too cute. What else but, can you do? But his <laughs> shot was terrible too. Yeah, uh, for Panenka, it wasn't sold. You kind of have to sell it and get the uh, uh, goal, uh, the goalkeeper to commit to one side or the other, and you just chip it right down the middle if you don't sell it. And then if you do do it, you just don't put it where he can maybe correct it. You know, right in his bread basket. That yeah, you, was a terrible Panenka. You don't by put Chicharito. it right into his chest. Yeah, yeah Chicharito extremely good this year, but he was not good on that. One. Chicharito made Abs- a PK earlier in that game. Absolutely poor decision making on his part. Yes, he did own up to it. He did apologize. But at the same time, when you're the captain of a squad and you know your team needs these points desperately to make a playoff spot against a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs, you bury that kick and you make the keeper work for it. You don't just go for the the, the cheeky move and absolutely try and, and try to just cheek it in there. No, he made a bad decision. He realized it. He made a poor attempt at the bad decision, apologized. But again, if they miss the playoffs by two points or less. I'm going to laugh because it's all on that kick. <laughs> Moving right along out, outside of the uh, Sporting KCLA Galaxy game that ended up 2-2 after three penalty kicks in the same game. Um, the coaching carousel continues this season. Um, we go to Dynamo in Houston, and they have fired Paulo Nagamura. He will likely find a new gig soon. I have no doubt of that. He seems to be very capable as a coach. Um they're announced they have announced that they don't have a new coach just yet but they have moved up their Dynamo Dose head coach Kenny Bundy. Don't call um, him Al and sure don't call him Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> don't call him Ted for more than just because of Ted Bundy. Anything related <laughs> to Texas and Ted Ted's implies right Zodiac out. killer. <laughs> but no, um we are not turning this into a true crime podcast. I will not allow it. I I wasn't attempting to. I was just <laughs> merely making a reference. Either way, though, um, it seems here that uh, Dynamo were really hoping to have someone come in and just absolutely blow the doors off as a coach, and they didn't see that from him this season. Uh, I just have to say, stop firing your coaches midway through a season when it's their first year in charge. Give them at least a full season. Give them some assistance outside of just signing one or two splashy players. And then expect them to succeed at a high level when you're in the basement to start. It's a strange thing happening in MLS as they get to be bigger on the world stage for transfer market. And uh, their profile gets a little higher on the world stage. Uh, they've gone from being the league to where they held on to coaches far, far too long uh, to a league that now is pulling the trigger sometimes far, far, far too early on that. But that's just the nature of sports. And we've seen it in all North American leagues. It's certainly not an American or Canadian thing. 
it happens all over the world. But really, in this case, uh, sometimes you have to ask, are they just doing it because the team stinks and they went out and made a splashy signing that couldn't be pulled off even though it didn't fit in the club? Or were there other things going on in the back, behind the scenes that we don't know about? Uh, never heard a rumor in this case of anything with Nakamura and the Dynamo. Yeah, those are usually details that come out later. And um, it sure does happen that, yeah, the coach is just the fall guy um, because ownership made poor decisions, but you can't fire the ownership. <laughs> so, <laughs> And a new owner uh, with big, audacious plans and apparently a big, audacious personality as well. So uh, once more out of this team, but... Uh, We'll see. The playoff implications for Dynamo Dose, perhaps, in this, uh, along with St. Louis City SC, if they do face off against them in said playoffs. Uh, so a couple of guys that could uh, be very useful for Houston Dynamo in this one. Taylor Maples looks ready, for sure, to shore up a terrible uh, defense, terrible uh, for Houston and uh, let's see if they have to pull some of their players heading into this to get a look at the big club now that their head coach in MLS Next Pro stepped up. Maybe some of the players will be taken out of the playoff mix for Dynamo Dose. Time will tell. We'll see how that goes. But going from the bottom of the table to the top of the table, CF Montreal come in and they very much felt disrespected going into, into Le Classique uh, against... Uh, Toronto FC. They get a very exciting 4-3 win on the road at BMO Field against the newly dangerous Toronto. The media were all asking questions about how Montreal was going to quote-unquote cope with what TFC has become and all of the talent they have on their squad. And after the game, Kamal Miller is quoted as saying they should have been asking us how they were going to cope with Montreal. And I agree with him 100%. Montreal has been absolutely dominant all year long they have currently tied a club record for points in a season and they still have games to go yeah and this one uh toronto the italian uh connection uh really worked as they jumped out to a quick 2-0 lead with goals from bernadeschi and insigne uh but it's all attack right now with toronto and their defense is still a mess and that showed when it comes to Club de Foot of Montreal. Uh, Wilford Nancy has to be on everybody's short list for Coach of the Year. Uh, he's just done a masterful job, a, a master class in the art of making the most of what you're given. There's some talent on that team, but not a lot of names you know. Uh, maybe a couple, but they are really performing at a high, high level. And uh, nobody's going to want to play them in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely not. Um, but just just one more uh, one more mention for somebody that I think should be on everybody's shortlist for coach of the year, if not if not already pretty obvious. Jim Curtin has absolutely turned Philly into a team that's usually pretty competitive into a team that is just downright domination station. Oh yeah, yeah they. They got another clean sheet, another plus two on their goal differential this week, putting them second all-time for defensive record and second all-time for uh, goal differential in MLS history this season. Unbelievable. Also, uh, while I'm here, I'll just uh, chip in with uh, Josh Wolf of Austin's been exceptional. Uh, Steve Chirundolo with LAFC has done a masterful job as well. I thought it might be tactless to bring up Steve Trundolo, considering how good LAFC has been all year. But I was also thinking Steve Trundolo. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's I, uh, really my short list. I do have one little bit of a dark horse name to mention here, though. Um, can we just talk about how great Nico Estevez has done in Dallas? Yeah, they're abs took them from bottom of the barrel, and now they're looking like one of the one, arguably one of the more dangerous teams in the playoff picture right now. And I do not want to be playing against the 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 sorry not Pepe the um, Ferrera Areola connection there. Yeah, it's, and uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Alan Velasco. They brought in. He's starting to find his feet in MLS as well. They've got attacking talent, and unlike past years that we've seen, when they get into the final, you know, third 
uh, in attack, they're actually able to do something and they're frightening. They haven't quite got over the hump of uh, of getting that first goal really quick and sitting on it and not keep pushing, but they're getting a lot better. So, yeah, I would include him. I would say that those five coaches that we both mentioned are the short list for coach of the year. Oh, yeah. I, I would have to agree 100%. And uh, just wanted to do, before we leave, a uh, lot of talk about MLS in general. Here's a couple of quick hits for you. Uh, the New England Revolution had to replace shot-stopping great Matt Turner as he went to Arsenal. And in Jordi Petrovic, they had, may have found a better shot stopper than Matt Turner. Wow. Uh, another one, Gaga Solina had himself a game uh, this week. And finally, NYCFC at this very moment in time, maybe the worst team in MLS. But Now that is player. a hot take. That is a hot take try to watch their games and look at the record i don't think it's that hot it's a warm i don't think you can just get away with saying that the the owners of the smallest mls championship banner team that is still in a playoff position is the worst team at this moment especially considering just how bad the fire and dc united have looked even though dc is getting a bit of a revival under rooney um but there's also <laughs> Yeah, never mind. We won't get into that other team. NYCFC is no. terrible right now. They're terrible. They're not. They're losing games, not drawing games. They're losing games left and right. The teams they have no business losing. They've games. dropped six of their last seven, and their only win has been against Chicago. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. See now. Now that now that I'm looking at it, you're right. You're right because they've lost to Columbus. I think you. I think you can ex explain that one away as expecting to lose, but losing to Inter Miami, Charlotte, Orlando, and DC United. Okay. Yeah. No. That take is becoming colder and colder the more I sit and think about it. You're absolutely, absolutely correct on that. Absolutely tumbling down that table. And one of those teams that beat them has a big game upcoming this week, right? Oh, yes. Um, that brings us to our next point. Uh, we actually have U.S. Open Cup news. That's right, everybody. We have the U.S. Open Cup final, baby. Orlando City is going to be playing host to Sacramento Republic FC Wednesday night, the night that this drops at 7 p.m. Central. Watch the game. Watch a trophy ceremony. It'd be great. And I have to say, I'm rooting for Sacramento. Rooting That's goddamn right you're rooting for Sacramento. Everyone should be rooting for Sacramento. Cup set. Not just cup because set. of the cup, cup set. set. Not cup just set. because cup of the cup set. set, but because they beat my team. And if the team that beat my team in the semis wins the whole thing, I don't feel as bad. <laughs> you but have mostly more because of the cup set. <laughs> you Who have more honor. A good cup set. <laughs> I was going to say, you have more honor than me. I usually root very, very voraciously against the team that beat my team. But the only time I do to. that is when it's the Colorado Avalanche because, <laughs> yeah, that's that's another podcast. We have to root for Sacramento because a US a USL team has not gotten this far in years, decades. <laughs> and hooray for the US Open Cup to finally come back after the COVID uh, misses and return with a USL team in the final. I love that's the great. I love the US Open Cup. <laughs> And I'm so excited to see a lower league team in the finals. It's a beautiful thing. We're also coming up on uh, the final friendlies before the U.S. men's national team has to travel to Qatar to play in the World Cup around Thanksgiving time. And uh, we got some updates on what's going on with some of the key players and uh, both on the team for sure and uh, hanging around a chance to get on the roster. What you got for us, Sean? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and run down the list here and, and just give everybody a little bit of a, a quick wrap up because I'm sure you're all are, you're all really tired of listening to us jabber on. Um, but we'll start with the with the most troubling news. Uh, Jedi Robinson, Anthony Robinson, for those uninformed, um, has gone down with an ankle injury in his game for Fulham against Tottenham Hotspur. No update at the moment of recording. Uh, hoping it's nothing major. They it didn't seem it seems like it could go either way, but hoping and praying that we don't lose him because we are very shallow at left back. Uh, best case scenario, he's totally fine. Worst case scenario, we have to move. I believe it'd be 
Dest over to the other side, and then we have to have a backup right back. But that's a whole different discussion for a different day. Um, staying in that Premier League, though, Tyler Adams and, and Brendan Aronson have a bit of a harrowing defeat at the hands of Brentford. They lose 5-2, but at the at the end of the game, Brentford's skipper Thomas Frank could not help but keep talking about how great Brendan Aronson was in this game. And that is surprising. When you win 5-2, you shouldn't be talking about how great the other team's player played. You should be talking about how great your team played. But that's just my opinion on the topic. Brendan Aronson needs to make this plain. He's dynamic. He's one of the most dynamic uh, incomers into the Premier League so far this season. Oh, Major Leeds United is doing absolutely amazing. And they are my backup squad this year. I pick a different backup squad every year. But Leeds, Major Leeds United is my is my second team this year. Oh, didn't Josie Marsh get a red card in that as well after he was yelling about Tuchel coming back to play after getting a red card? This shall be I believe he got a yellow card on that one. Hold on. Confirming now. Oh, no. Jesse Marsh did get a red card. Let me see if I can pull up what happened on the FOTMOB Arguing feed. with the referees, I believe. Oh, yes. There was a there was a penalty decision, and he was not happy about it. <laughs> it was a missed PK, that a missed call that he then raged about and got a red card. Whom amongst us? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've probably been deserving of many red cards for the same reason as a fan. But <laughs> Maybe even at this again. <laughs> Listen, I'm not here to talk about the past. <laughs> I don't know about a red card, but I'm always in favor of a red cup. Moving on. Who's our next uh, player we got on the list? Moving on, we'll go over. We'll go over to the uh, the bad blue team. And uh, Pulisic gets a good showing in his first start of the season for Chelsea. He had he had the, the service just couldn't find him in the final third, but uh, he played pretty well from what I saw of the game. Um, you know, it, it's just good to see him starting again for sure. Uh, going dropping down a bit, a bit uh, dropping down a tier. Josh Sargent continues to bury the goals for the Canaries. He's got five goals in his last five matches, including a brace in one of those. He's oh, just man. <laughs> continually trying to just put his name in that conversation. And we'll find out this this window if he's going to make it or not. The um, best streak of his professional career. Yeah, five absolutely. Goal, <laughs> goal a game is nuts. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, especially considering that at through eight, eight games right now, the Canaries are a plus six in goal differential. <laughs> he is the difference. Um. Moving on from him, we'll go over to Serginho Dest, who is on loan currently from Barcelona to AC Milan. He doesn't see the pitch in the Milan derby, but I think that's partially due to him making the transfer move very recently. Uh, another player on loan, Ricardo Pepe, is on loan from Augsburg to Groningen. He also doesn't make the roster, but at the same time, he also just recently made a move at the deadline. Haji Wright makes the, makes the field. Doesn't make the score sheet. Bit of a cold game for him, but I don't expect that to affect his his chances of making the the camp this window. Uh, Jordan Pifok though is out with a muscle injury. Hopefully it's nothing major, but this could very much hurt his hopes of making it to Qatar for sure. Speaking of injuries, we'll go to Gio Reyna, who makes a late sub for Dortmund coming back from his injury. Uh, helps close out that game and a win for them. And then we move along to Yunus Musa back in La Liga. He has two assists in a 5-1 shellacking of Getafe for Valencia. He earns he he basically puts in a man of the match performance, absolutely deserves it. And this is the kind of per- player that you can the kind of performance you can expect from him. And hopefully he can bring that to the MMA midfield that we have come to love and respect from the USMNT. Uh, speaking of another M in that MMA, uh, Weston McKinney helps Juve hold out the draw against Fiorentina in Serie A. And to wrap things up, we have some Champions League action for the Yanks. Tuesday's games are now done by the time we're recording. Pulisic ends up subbing in in the 75th minute when Chelsea's down one nothing. Can't help him. Can't help them get the draw and get that point back. Serginho Dest ended up subbing in in the 57th minute. As AC Milan draw Red Bull Salzburg one to one, 
Cameron Carter Vickers gets the start for Celtic as they look absolutely silly losing 3-0 to Real Madrid. We don't need to talk about this Celtic game. Who amongst us didn't expect that? Um, Bit of a surprising performance, though, is Gio Reyna subs in in the 23rd minute because of an injury, ends up getting an assist on the second goal in a 3-0 win for Borussia Dortmund against Copenhagen. Weston McKinney comes in at half for Juve versus PSG, but they still drop 2-1. However, he still looked like one of the best men on the pitch for Juve. In a bit of a fringe player switch, we've got Josh Cohen in goal starting for Maccabi Haifa as they lose 2-0 to John Brooks' side at Benfica. John Brooks did not appear in this match. Uh, Malik Tillman, James Sands, and Rangers went will be going to Ajax tomorrow. And Timmy Chandler and Eintracht Frankfurt will be hosting Sporting Lisbon on Wednesday as well for the second match day of the first round of group play for Champions League. And that wraps it up for me. And we'll everyone s- take a deep breath. <laughs> and uh, we'll never see Timmy Chandler on a USMNT roster ever again. <laughs> uh, it's as close as he gets, as I mentioned in these uh, updates. Uh, I think one last thing before we go is uh, the U.S. women's team are playing some friendlies to gear up for their own World Cup. Um, on the third, they played host to Nigeria and won 4-0. Um, I watched a good part of this game. Sophia Smith had a brace in the first half. Real shellacking of a game. Uh, Alex Morgan also scored a penalty. And we are hosting Nigeria again tonight. That game is just about to start as we're wrapping up. Yeah. So you know more about that than we do because it is just about to start as we're finishing here. But um, yeah, don't forget about the women's team, folks. Ever. Their World Cup's upcoming. And they're going to win that one, too, probably, because that's what the USA women do. That's exactly right. But yeah, they just win trophies, baby. (laughs) That's right. They're in transition, blood in new talent. But the U.S. has a lot of talent and the world is catching up to the U.S. women. Makes it even more exciting to actually watch them because now they really are going to have to earn the titles that they're going to get going forward. But they're still going to be looked at as the best team in the world and they'll have that huge target on their backs like we see them in mls next pro for city two here especially in the last half of the season if there's anything else we missed this week speak now or forever hold your peace yeah yell into your radio because i think we're done even i'm getting tired of talking (laughs) and i'm your host mike turner i'm your producer mason and i'm your resident cave dwelling hooligan shajan And if you're still listening to the Soccer Capital Podcast, we really appreciate you listening. Bye for now.